Welcome to the Cap City Church podcast. This is the recording of our Sunday message. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged as you listen to this. Enjoy. How are you all doing this morning? It's fantastic to see you. I'm excited that it's Purple Sunday and I'm excited uh, to share with you this morning. Can I just ask, first of all, a quick show of hands, those in the room that are going to camp in three weeks' time. Hannah, who are going? Hannah was sat beside me going, three, three weeks' time, we will be there. You will be in camp. It'll all be happening. Can I, just, can I just ask you that if you're sitting next to somebody, raise their hand. Just give them an encouragement. Just give them a, a hand on the shoulder. Just say, well done. This is good. Be excited that God is going to do amazing things in that. We just give them a quick encouragement because it is, uh, it is no small thing. It is a challenging week. Uh, it's a week full of difficulty. Uh, it's a week where you, you lay a lot of things down in, in terms of loving and serving these children. Uh, and as Hannah constantly reminds us, camp is about the campers. It is about those kids uh, in that week and what you can do to love and to serve them. Uh, but what I want to talk about this morning, in fact, what I want to start by asking you is, um, is what is your motivation for doing good? What is, it, what is it that motivates you? to do good in the world around you, to make a difference? What drives you to make that difference, to impact the world that you encounter, the people that you meet? What is it, what is it that drives you? Because let's be honest, is sometimes uh, the challenges in the world around us seem overwhelming. Uh, and particularly when we think about camp and we talk about the, the challenges within, uh, within social care and within care work, just in this country, it is overwhelming. The statistics on children taken into, into care, the statistics on abuse, these are things that are absolutely frightening. And, and we're a church, we're a small church. Let's, let's be honest now, uh, we're, we're not massive, we've not got great resources, uh, we've got a limited scope for what we can do, and yet God has called us. And, and, and I, love, I love saying this because there's nothing we can boast in about this. And this should be an encouragement to every single one of us. We run a camp where, how many kids have we got coming this, this year? We've got 38 children in which we are, we, we've got the responsibility and we've got the opportunity to show the love of God in, in real, practical ways. And, and, and we've been running this camp for years now, and it's just amazing to see what God has done through just small acts of faith, small acts of obedience, and the impact and the ripple effect of everything that we do. But the challenge is, it seems huge. Yeah, what, can we, what can we do in a week? What can we achieve with just one week with these kids? How can we override? How can we do anything to combat you know, uh, cycles of abuse, not just the, in their lives and their experiences, but going back through the generations into their families? What can we do when we're so small and we're so limited in our ability? The reality is, is, is if you've ever been to camp or if you ever get the chance to go, when you speak to some of these kids, when you hear about their circumstances... It is, it is almost impossible not to feel slightly overwhelmed by it. And there's, there's a moment at the end of the week when these kids get back on that bus, when you say goodbye to them out of that venue, and you've got a, a small idea of what they're going back to, and you go, God, how, what, what can we actually do to make an impact into that? And the challenge is huge. And sometimes the challenge is not just the world around us, but it's ourselves as well. How many, how many of us are feeling tired this morning? Anyone feeling tired? I think those of you clutching your cups of coffee, 
you, you, know, you, you keep holding on to that coffee. You t- that tells me more than I need to know. How many of you got eight hours sleep last night? That's, wow. The fact that anyone is raising their hand is, is a bit of a surprise to me in this day and age. But, but we're, not, we're not talking about sleep this morning. And I, and I think for some of us, there's that tiredness that we feel. There's that weary or weariness that we seem to carry in our bones. Have you ever felt that before? Just that, just that exhaustion in life, that struggle to keep going. And for us as, as human beings, we've got a sad capacity for growing tired of incredible things. When was the last time you stopped to gaze at a sunset? When was the last time you, you stopped and, and held the hand of someone you cared about with that real intention and value? When was the last time you stopped to, to really listen and to appreciate a piece of music that you love? The truth is we, we forget, we grow weary, we lose sight of things, incredible things that matter. So how is it then that we push ourselves, that we keep going and fighting for the things that we know really matter? And I want to share a quick passage from, uh, from Galatians chapter 6. I think I've got the verse on the screen for you. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. And just to give you a little bit of context here, this is a, this is a church. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church, and they are experiencing uh, a degree of infighting. There's factions that have risen up in and around the church. There is a challenge to the gospel and to the future of what this church is called to do. And Paul is writing to address some of these challenges. And as you, as you read these words, you can get the idea that there are some in the church that are just so strained and drained by the challenges around them, by the fighting that's going on, by the problems that they're encountering. And their, their heart's desire is to focus on the good news of Jesus. Their heart's desire is to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for them. Their, their heart's desire is to be reaching people with the love of Jesus and impacting people with the truth of what he's done. And yet they are just wearied by the fighting and the challenges that are going on around them. And he gives them this encouragement. He says, look, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those we belong to, uh, uh, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And the first thing I want to encourage us with this is, is this, is, is if you are feeling weary, do not give up. It is so easy sometimes, and I'm sure we've all been there at different points in our walk with Jesus. It is just difficult sometimes to think, I've had enough, this is too much. That, that the circumstances around me or the challenges that I'm facing or the things that I'm going through are just overwhelming, and I don't know if I can keep going on anymore. I'm sure for all of us, we've had times when we've just kind of gone, that, that's it. It's enough. I've, I've got to my limit, and it's over. I'm stopping now. I'm putting it all down. I'm sorry, God, but I can't go on any further. Sometimes it is tough to keep going. Sometimes faith feels so heavy that we feel we need to put it down. Sometimes life gets that way. That just we are so overwhelmed by everything that goes on around us. And we get to that point, we just stop and say, what is the point? In those moments of honesty, we say, God, what, what have I got left to keep me going? How can I keep fighting that good fight of faith? How can I push through when there's just so much that goes on around me? And Paul is encouraging this church. He says, don't give up. He says, what you're doing is important. What you're doing matters and has eternal significance. He says, don't give up. 
And church had said, what is, we'd ask, well, what is the antidote to that experience in life? And, and the first thing as I was reflecting on this verse and I was thinking about this passage is the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. If, if that is you this morning, this is, this is a word for you right now. If you feel weary and burdened in life, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He goes on to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there's something funny about that because so often as, as Christians, we can feel like as we're following Jesus, as we're serving Jesus, we're constantly picking things up. We're taking on extra responsibilities. We're taking on extra tasks and duties. We've got new priorities and, new, and we think like the life gets heavy because we're accumulating more and more. And Jesus says, this is not the way that I intend you to live. That the way of Jesus, that the peace and the rest that Jesus longs to give us is not simply the ability to put everything down and to stop and to not do anything more, but it is a living rest. It's a way of moving. It's not about stopping. It's a way of moving and resting in peace in, in the way that it becomes a rhythm to our life. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not about stopping and putting everything down, but it's about changing the way that we live. Eugene Peterson, who was an American pastor and author, and uh, he, many of you will know him as the, the writer or the translator of the message version of the Bible. And he outlines an approach to this that I think is fiercely practical and yet not terribly popular. And I think I've got, uh, there we go, I've got the question. He says, and yet I decided every day to set aside what I can do best and attempt what I do very clumsily, to open myself to frustrations and failures of loving. Daring to believe that failing in love is better than succeeding in pride. He goes on to say, there is a great market for religious experience in our world. Yet there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. He rightly recognizes that if we, if we want the peace that Jesus talks about. If we want that depth of faith, that, that life-giving relationship that Jesus offers freely to each one of us, if we want to live those lives of significance and impact, but often we don't want the challenges that come with it. That, that actually true religion is not about the glamour and the, those big moments of, of, of transformation, but it's about that long obedience in the same direction. It's about that, that stickability that Paul is talking about. He says, don't give up. Allow this to, to wash over you wave after wave of the love of God. Allow that to be part of your journey. Allow that to be the rhythm that sets your life apart. Not, a, not about expecting things just to transform in an instant, but allowing God to walk with you through the ups and downs and the difficulties of life. The problem is we, we like the idea of a faith that, that, is, that is just instant and gratifying. That, that in any given moment solves and fixes our problems. The uh, Christian author and satirist G.K. Chesterton once said that the Christian life has not been tried and found wanting. It has been, tried, it has been found difficult and therefore left untried. Is the message of Jesus. It's not, it's not, it's not that it's not, it doesn't work. It's not that it isn't there. It's not that it's hollow in some way. But it's been difficult. That it's difficult to kind of not give up, to keep going, to press in, especially when things are hard. And to lean on Jesus 
for that energy, for that enthusiasm, for that direction, for that life. The challenge is to keep going. Not to be stuck with what we can see, but to push forward knowing not only that endurance matters, but that God is working in all things. Because when we work this way, when we're not put off by just initial challenges or temporary hardship, he says at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. That we're given these opportunities that break into eternity. The promise here is that if we keep going, if we trust in God in the process, then we will see the results. I think I've got a picture um, on the next slide. My mother-in-law has got this habit of the moment of planting seeds with my children. I, I, I don't know why you say mother-in-law that way. It almost sounds like I've got, a, I've got an ax to grind now, haven't it? Nothing like that. But uh, what I found incredible is when it, whenever my children eat fruit, this is the thing that annoys me, actually, is they <laughs> backtrack on what I just said there is uh, because of this habit, I'm oh, just going to vent for a moment now. Sorry, guys. Uh, they, they save the seeds from their fruit. So they take fruit to school, you know, an apple or an orange or whatever it is, and they'll save the seeds in their lunchbox and bring them back for, for my mother-in-law to plant with them. And I thought, there's no way this is going to work. This is nonsense. It's like, I don't just my lack of, of kind of knowledge of of anything kind of green related is just, just a degree of cynicism there. But, but they bring them back and she plants them with them. And so they've got these little apple seeds in a, in a little plant on my windowsill. We've got uh, orange seeds. We've got the sunflower seeds growing out the back. We've got an avocado seed that's just about to sprout. And we've got all this stuff. And most of it kind of litters the, the windowsill above my sink. Some of it has kind of been migrated outside. And there's just this whole host of these tiny little plant pots with these seeds growing in them. And, and it's amazing because they're actually growing, which was for me the most surprising thing of it all. I thought she was going to put these seeds in a little bit of dirt, and that would be the end of it. And you know, after three or four weeks, I could just throw them away. But these things have started to grow, and, th and this was taken months ago because now they're huge. They've been replanted, and they're getting ready to go outside. Now, I'm not expecting apples from them anytime soon, but, but the fact is that it's working. And I, love, I loved watching... Uh, who explained to my kids the process, the idea that you bury something in the ground in order for it to grow. It just seemed really odd to them. Just that idea that you stick something and you bury it and you pat down earth on it and you cover it with water and then you ignore it and something happens. But the instruction was, trust me, do what I say, bit of water, bit of patience, and soon you'll see it grow. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus tells the people a parable. He says, a farmer went out to sow seed, which is, you know, innocent enough, right? Something you'd expect a farmer to do. It says he scattered his seed, some on the path where it got eaten by birds, some in rocky places where there wasn't the depth of soil for it to take root, some amongst thorns where it's choked out by the other plants around it. And, and just want to stop there, listen to what he's saying. He's, he's saying, if you want to make something grow, and you kind of think, if you want to make something grow, you've got to be selective about where it goes, right? If I was a farmer, I'd be thinking, okay, I'm going to put one here, I'm going to put one here. You'd be going to be very cautious about where the seed is being put. But this farmer is flinging it all over the place like a small child with glitter. It's just going everywhere. He's literally flinging it with no, with no concern about where it's going to land. It goes absolutely everywhere. And we've got to stop and ask, well, why is that significant? 
What, is, what does that matter? Because as, as you read this story, as Jesus is giving this uh, message to these people, he's presenting a farmer who is throwing this seed absolutely everywhere. And, and he, he very intentionally focuses on the fact that it goes out all over the place. And it's important because he goes on to say that some of the seed gets into good soil. He says, and this seed produces a crop 100 or 60 or 30 times. And I don't know about you, because I don't grow my own crops, but it's easy to miss the significance here. He talks about 160 and 30 times. And this isn't the kind of the large, medium, small option here in terms of, of kind of the outworkings of your faith here. These are all miraculous harvest sizes. So it's when he's saying it's, it's, you know, it's producing a harvest 100, 60, 30 times over. Each one of those, this is an incredible, what would have seemed an incredible over-the-top exaggeration to Jesus' hearers. That the results of this harvest are miraculous. And Jesus is saying there's something about the way we operate in the kingdom of God that doesn't match with our perception of reality. That you'd think if you, if you want a, a, a 30 times miraculous harvest, you need to be meticulous about where you place your seed. You need to be intentional about where it goes. There needs to be all this focus. And, and, and yet Jesus is saying when you throw it out everywhere, when, you, when you are not, you're not discerning the precise location it needs to go, there is something that God does in that equation that is over and above what you could imagine. That the results from that faith, from that desire to, to cast that seed wide is incredible. He says, don't be picky about where you bring good news. Don't be picky about what circumstances you look for to do good. Don't think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to do it here because this is where I think I'm going to get the best results. I'm going to concentrate my efforts, and I'm going to be kind in this situation. And everything else, I'm sorry, you didn't make the list. He says, don't be picky. The farmer is not stingy with the seeds. He's chucking it all over the shop. And you ask, why? Because he knows that he's got no idea what's going to take root and what isn't. He, he knows that there's no way that he can be certain what will grow and what won't. Church, we don't know the impact of what we do for God. Church, there is absolutely no way of you knowing. When you, when you sow that seed, when you cast that deed for, for God, you've got no idea what God is going to do with it. And it's important that we recognize that. Because so often we, we think, we strategize, you know, we're good stewards, we want to do things well, we, we operate, we bring, you know, we bring our best, we think about things. And we go, well, if I do it in this, this circumstance or this situation, I've got the greatest opportunity for results, for success, for getting something out of it. And yet God is saying, if, you, if you're following me, if you're truly operating in faith, then none of the outcome relies on your efforts or your skills or your ability. All of the outcome relies on him, Right? All we're called to do is get out there and sow that seed. Friends, this is a good principle for life regardless of your religious convictions. But let me tell you, if you believe, and I do, if you believe that there is a divine power and purpose behind this world, that there is an order and a meaning to the cosmos, that God is at work and active in this world, that he is directing it to its ultimate purpose, then my tiny acts of love and kindness done in faith have the ability, those simple moments of faith and obedience are not limited by my ability to bring out change any more than the farmer is able to bring out a harvest. Is you sow in faith and you trust God for the harvest. So church, in, in, in the way that we follow Jesus, when we show grace and compassion to those around us, 
when we get on our knees and pray for people and circumstances, when we rise up and take a stand for what Jesus has shown us really matters in this world, we operate in faith and wait for the harvest. This is why Paul's encouragement is, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. To scatter that seed in all situations, with all people, with everybody that you encounter. Don't be stingy about where it goes. Fling it out everywhere. If you like that child with glitter analogy, run with it. Just throw it out there, knowing that that some of it is going to land, some of it is going to stick, and that God can and will use it. He says, do good to all people. I love that as we have opportunity, Paul is kind of saying there, those opportunities are there. You simply need to open your eyes. That the message of Christianity is right in this, is that on the cross, Jesus dies for the sin of the world. That Jesus reconciles the world to God in his death, bringing that invitation to the family of God through his resurrection and new life. He says, do good to all people. If you have tasted the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness and the new life, this is your motivation. But knowing that God can and will work in all things beyond and above any expectation you have. Church, this isn't isn't just about doing huge things. And and one of the reasons I think this is so applicable for those of you going to camp, but also so, so valuable for us as we just walk the daily walk of life with Jesus. It's not about doing something massive. The farmer's not got this dump truck full of seed he's going to put in one hole and expect a giant tree to go. It's going everywhere. It's going everywhere. Every opportunity, every little moment, every little thing. Because church, if we, if we genuinely believe that it's God that makes the difference, then it doesn't matter where that goodness goes. It doesn't, where, doesn't matter where that moment of kindness or love or compassion or grace is extended. Because if it's God that makes the difference, it can happen anywhere. It was Mother Teresa who said, we cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. We have that invitation to work within the great love of God for us. And he ends this, the, the, the passage that we're looking at with this idea of, of a family that fosters faith. He says, lastly, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I kind of, I was reading the passage, I said, well, why, why the favoritism, Paul? Come on, the grace of Jesus is for everybody. Why are you picking favorites? It just, it was an interesting one. And I thought, well, why does that matter? Why is Paul saying especially? He said, if you're going to start doing this, if you're going to start, you know, casting out that seed, looking for that harvest of God, if you're going to be diligent in doing good, if you're not going to give up, he's like, start in the family of faith. The church is to be our training ground. It's a place that we learn. It's a place where we are discipled, a place where we grow and deepen in our commitment to Jesus. It's in church family that we are moved to greater faith, where we experience the love and the forgiveness of God. It is here that we commit to grow. It is here where I hope and I pray that we nurture honesty and vulnerability. It's a place where we build relationship that allows us to have the fruit of the Spirit deepen in our hearts. The church is to be that spiritual home. It is to be a place where we consider each other family. 
And so it's not just a matter of, of this is the place where we try it out. This is the place where we, you know, we, we try to practice grace and forgiveness and love and acceptance and understanding and all that. It's not just that, but, but as we do that, as we start with that, especially amongst the family of believers, what we begin to do is we build something bigger than ourselves. And church, this is what we've seen over the years as we talk about, uh, about um, Starfish Kids Camp, as we look at the amazing things that God has done in families in this church, God has begun to build something that is bigger than any one individual. That as a church, we are a family that, that, that far exceeds our abilities because of the grace of God. That as we, have, as we have especially shown that love and that desire to work and to take those opportunities within this family, we have built something that is more robust, that is bigger, that is more faith-filled than we will ever be on our own. Church, here is where we launch a mission that brings the good news of Jesus. Here is where we unleash tidal waves of grace onto the world around us. It starts as we begin with each other, as we love one another in that way, as we don't give up on one another, as we persist with those opportunities, looking for that harvest of God, because God will use this place to do amazing things. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more about us, please visit our website, capcitycardiff.org.uk.